I'm Judy Silmans, host of the Engage to Innovate podcast, talking all things innovation. So relax, take some time out from your schedule and immerse yourself in the learnings shared by our guests. Today's guest has got this infectious energy, which is impossible not to love. We found each other on LinkedIn and every communication I've had since has been dripping in excitement, personality and emotion. Easy to see why Dominic Nelson's an innovator. It's his energy which led him on the entrepreneurial journey starting at the age of 13. His current adventure is reimagining store pickups, making it contactless, fast and easy. Okay, let's get started. I know you'll find this inspiring. Dominic, welcome to the Engage to Innovate stage. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, look, we've actually been talking, we met on LinkedIn about five months ago and I've been, you know, checking out your work and following you and stuff and I was pretty excited to, to talk to you because I love the energy that you have in everything you do. And, yeah. you know, is that... Has that always been you? Have you just been that energetic person? <laughs> I would say I've always been optimistic. Uh, the environment that I grew up in, I, would, I wouldn't say it was probably the best, but at the time, you don't really know how bad things are until you're hopefully fortunate enough to make it out of there. So I've always yeah. been optimistic that things would get better. Uh, some people call it hope. Um, for me, it's not necessarily hope. It's just understanding that the world is so big and I haven't seen everything. And maybe the new things that I get exposed to, I will fall madly in love with if I can just somehow, some way, stay optimistic enough, work really, really hard and learn as much as I can and be genuine to all of the people I meet on my journey, then maybe I can have this very energetic life. <laughs> and that's been very great for me. Even the message that I sent to you, I just looked at it uh, before the call, it was 157 days ago. <laughs> and I was like uh, I was trying to like kind of go back to that moment on what made me you know just act impulsively but it was really your post and I think the same it's energy is this weird thing like you don't have to be in the same room as someone always or close to them you can feel it you can feel it through messages you can feel it through posts and I just felt yeah. like the post that you put out master energy I was feeling and I responded to you well, I sent you a message and I was like, wow, she responded. I wasn't even, you know, expecting anything, <laughs> but no, it's been incredible. Yeah. And, and I likewise think, and that's, a, I just love that attitude, Dominic, because so many people, particularly now in the middle of COVID-19 around the globe, there's, there's so many people that are just seeing, and understandably, there are some really tragic and very difficult situations that many of us are going through, but it's that I love your energy and I love this positiveness and and, and it is infectious. You know, you, you can, uh, it's hard to explain. If, if for those listeners out there that don't don't feel that energy, then then it's really difficult to explain. But no, I, I just, I love the way that you resonate and, and clearly to me that 
is, uh, oh, we've got a plane. I don't get planes through here very often. <laughs> They've been grounded for like two months. So, oh, wow, wow. so in a way, that's a celebration, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's woohoo. Actually, in New Zealand, we, we came out of um, lockdown yesterday. So we've pretty wow. much gone back to our life as normal. It's this community spirit that I'm seeing more of and the energy that you're feeding off people because there's, even though we're more distanced, mm-hmm. I think we're more together than we've ever been. I really believe that as well. Yeah. I felt it more so than I ever. I think even when it comes to just collaboration on projects, I think now people have slowed, slowed down a bit where they're more open-minded to collaborations that possibly wouldn't have happened uh, sometime prior because everyone was just go, 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 go. And there was a lot of creative things and a lot of creative people that were kind of left on the on, on the sidelines. And it, it's not to their fault or anyone else's, but it was people I had already had plans. And they were like, I'm not altering these plans. But now everyone was kind of forced to stop and kind of reassess things, which to me, it's been yeah. that part of all that's been going on has been very special. Yeah, I, I am really, I'm with you there and I'm really hoping that some of that keeps going into wherever we're going in the next stage. So, yeah, crossed, and, sure. yeah you know, I was reading your bio and I, and so you're, you're clearly a, you're an interesting person. So you, you, you make me curious because you're clearly entrepreneurial and, and, and into your business, which we will talk about, of course, but you started off. You, you know, you did. You were interned with the U.S. Coast Guard, and you obviously really want to go back to the military in some way. Yeah. So that <laughs> why why is it what what is it that you get from that that you really enjoy? Miss Judy, honestly, I'm big on doing things that everyone can't do. I think that's what makes life special. Uh, to do something that everyone can do, it's it's cool, but it's not something that really gets me energetic and happy. So the Coast Guard. I don't know the numbers as of now, but I remember at the time uh, the United States Coast Guard was smaller than the uh, the NYPD, New York Police Department, and I thought that right. was cool. I was like, the group that's responsible for you know a lot of importing, exporting, making sure uh, cargo is safe, people are safe in the United States by sea, is smaller than the New York you know Police Department, like an entire country, right? That, that's yeah. what the part is responsible for. So. I just, I don't know. I think a lot of the things that I've been able to do is me kind of, I don't know. I think about it. I manifest it and I work really hard to make it happen. Even with the Coast Guard thing, it was, I was um, at Texas Southern University and I was an undergrad there. I had just got to the school because I transferred. I was at Texas Tech University, transferred to another college, South Queens College, and then I finally made my way to TSU. So I was bouncing around for a couple of years trying to find my way, and TSU had just introduced this maritime transportation program, and I was like, what does the word maritime even mean? Like, I didn't, (laughs) I had no idea, and uh, I was like, transportation by sea. Okay, let me give uh, the lady a call, and she met with me that, like, the next day told me about scholarship opportunities and told me more about the industry. And it all really just spawned from my grandpa working at the airport. And he called me and he was like, hey, uh, you need to look into this. And I was like, what is this? And it was just perfect timing. And then from there, I got deeper involved in my, my studies. And the Coast Guard came and did a, a presentation. And they made themselves seem 
cooler than anything on the planet. <laughs> and I was like, that's be a part of this. <laughs> so I filed for, uh, I completed the application to intern for them, and I became the first African American uh, to intern for the United States Coast Guard out of Texas Southern University. And oh, congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. That was amazing. They they allowed me to do pretty much everything that they did on a daily basis. And can I share a story with you really quick? Absolutely. We love it. All right. So there's there's this moment. Um, we we kind of floated between Houston and Galveston quite a bit. And one day, part of the mission that we had was to um, get on t- get onto a row row vessel. I don't know if you've ever heard of a row row vessel, but um, no. Basically, it's a roll-on, roll-off, and it deals with all vehicles. At this this particular ship was, I want to say, almost 13 stories tall. So imagine a building, <laughs> and it's a ship that high, and um, it had nothing but white Volkswagens on it. Uh, I think it was probably the Beetle, if I'm not mistaken. Like, this entire ship, nothing but one car, <laughs> the same color. I was like, wow. This <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, they, they talked to me right before we went out. They said, hey, we're going to do this, which was essentially get onto a cutter, which is like a smaller boat. Uh, it's a very bumpy ride. But we're going to go out of Galveston. I don't know if you've ever been to Galveston here, but it's not known nope. to be a very pretty beach. If you Google it, you will quickly see it's not that pretty. <laughs> but it's the secret to it. It's it's very shallow water, so it looks dirtier than what it actually is. But if you go out maybe like 13 nautical miles, it is the most pristine, pure, beautiful water you can imagine. And most people don't know that. So when we get out there, I'm like, where are we? Because this is not the Galveston I know. Like, So we get further out, and it's this great water. And then all of a sudden, this big, massive ship that looks like a building is sitting before us. And they tell me, get ready. And I'm like, get ready for what? Like, I don't even know what we're about to do. And they were like, uh, we're going to board this ship and you're going to have to climb all the way to the top. And here I am, this intern. I uh, can't be afraid because they're not going to invite me on any more missions. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do it. And they said, do not fall. If you fall, you will die. I'm like, what? They was like, yeah, you <laughs> washed underneath the ship. And the ship is really, really wide. So you may not come through the other side unless you can swim. So I'm getting nervous and I'm like, hey, do you guys mind if I go like second or third, right? So I can see a couple people go before me. <laughs> and uh, the couple people went before me, but right before we got there, they said, hey, we're just kidding with you. We're actually going to use something called a Jacob ladder. And it's basically a ladder that cannot flip, cannot rotate, uh, stay stable as you climb up. And we did not climb up to the top. We climbed up midway and uh, the people, the crew that was on board actually greeted us. But it was a... Uh, it really opened my eyes to how commerce is being moved around and a lot of people don't know and how big someone's vision, right? Somebody started Volkswagen with a vision and that level of innovation and creativity is floating on water now. And it made me think even deeper, like what can I create that can do something to that capacity? So that obviously whetted your appetite to to get into more of your own thing and the entrepreneurial stuff. So how did, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, the the biggest question I get asked over the years has been, how did you come up with that idea? Or how did people, how did Uber start? Good God, how many times I've been asked that question. Um, So it's like, so what, what was it that you identify, how did the opportunities present themselves to coming up with Yummy Box, which, again, we will talk more about shortly, but yeah. how did the ideas come up? I think 
initially it all started with my early exposures as a kid. Um, my mom was a parent that afforded us an opportunity to always ask a question. Uh, she never mm -hmm. said, you know, be a kid, stay quiet anytime, even if it was with her discipline us, like uh, we had a rough day and it was time for a spanking or whatever it may be. She never uh, not allowed us to ask questions. And when you allow someone to always ask questions, to me, it kind of feeds their creativity or mm -hmm. at least uh, it feeds their appetite for, you know, a greater insight. So I think it started there, but uh, my entrepreneurial journey literally started at the age of 13. I, I still remember how everything played out. My mom was, uh, I think they called us latchkey kids. I think that's the proper yeah. uh, But my mom was always gone working. So uh, throughout the summer, it was myself and my younger brother at the time. And my, my former stepdad, he played in the CFL, Canadian Football League. He was doing his best mm -hmm. to you know, go pro uh, to the NFL, but he was gone as well. So my brother and I, we spent a lot of time just being kids inside of the house and going outside. But I remember uh, I used to make my mother's bed every morning. Uh, during the summer as a way to kind of just help out, you know, as best as mm -hmm. I could, there wasn't much I could do, but uh, I remember making her bed and um, she had a bunch of CDs. Well, it wasn't hers, but you know, like everyone has their side of the bed, right? Like my fiance yep. on the left, I sleep on the right. So my former stepdad, he slept on the right. I remember it was a stack of uh, CDs and a bread cart or a bread case. I don't know what it was, but from there, I called my mom and I was like, Hey, do you mind if I try to sell these CDs? And she was like, you know, these are, th those aren't mine. I can't tell you that you can. And I was like, well, call, call Lorenzo right now and see if I can do it. And so <laughs> she calls him, calls me back and she says, yeah, you can sell it. And he says, you know, if you could sell it, you can keep the money. So uh, I'm big on the word if I try to tell my team yeah. that word if, but uh, even then, like I, I took the word if as a challenge. So, <laughs> uh -huh. so I went out that day and uh, I just, went to everybody in, in our apartment complex and I made $500 cash. And oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so I just knew if I can get people to put these CDs in like these mixed CDs that all their favorite songs that they would normally hear on the radio, then maybe they would buy it. And yeah, I made $500 that day. Yeah. It was, in, it was an incredible time. I know like my grandmother came maybe a couple weeks after that and she calls me Nikki. So she says, I hear Nikki, uh, here's some change. So she gave me, uh, it was $365 exactly, but it was all changed. We took it to, uh, I think it was Kroger's at the time, into their little coin deposit. And it gives you, you know, there's receipts so you can uh, get cash. And mm -hmm. I bought myself this CD and DVD burner and I fell in love with Napster, fell in love with the ability to like, you know, make my friends and people around me happy with entertainment in the form of music and things. And I made $4,000 in three months after that. And I still have the bank wow. deposit because I remember my mom finding the money in my room in a Crown Royal bag, which is an alcohol like beverage, right? Uh, yeah. But I just liked the bag. It was purple and it felt good. <laughs> so I put my money in that. My mom found it. And uh, I remember that day she was crying because she thought I was doing, you know, bad things that I wasn't. Uh -huh. I told her, like, I was just, you know, trying to entertain my friends and, and people in the neighborhood and she proudly took me to the bank and I opened my first bank account. And that day at like around, I was almost, I probably just turned 14. That really solidified independence and the ability to kind of control your own destiny. And then that's like how entrepreneurship was kind of presented to me. From there, it was always the desire to see if I can contribute beyond just, you know, going to work. I always wanted to do more. 
but I never thought that I would have an opportunity to, you know, you have ideas all the time. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that kind of answered how entrepreneurs started, entrepreneurship started for me. And and you do hear that story from time to time of of kids that just seem to get it. Actually, a guest we were talking to a little while back talks about how 98% of kids are creative geniuses but only 2% of us main geniuses as we become adults. So I do believe that, that your mother obviously gave you that freedom, which obviously helped, and there's no doubt that there's that's in you and it was there from day one really. So um, that's very, very cool. I love that story. Thank you. Thank you. It, so tell me, tell me about Yummy Box. So <laughs> you, you obviously, how did you find the opportunity to Yummy Box? All right. Um, so the Yummy Box is morphed into what it is. This is not the original concept. This is not the original yeah. thing. Uh, this is definitely not even the original team. Uh, it's morphed into what it is, and it literally started from leaving college. Just like anyone else, you really, uh, I think the last few months before you walk across that that stage and graduate, you try to really make sure you've made all the right contacts so you can make some money, right? That's the point of, you know, studying really hard. But uh, for me, it was either the Coast Guard or working at like the Port of Houston, uh, Port of New York, California, some big port that was known for maritime transportation. And uh, I really couldn't make a decision. So I remember three o'clock in the morning, I lived with my grandpa. I made it, it, it was important for me to live with my grandpa my senior year, just so I can get a gauge of ultimately what I could put, become as, a, as an older man, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and then also kind of build a bond with him. But while I was there, I remember taking a shower kind of three months before graduation and really just clueless on life, to be totally honest with you, in terms of which direction I wanted to go. And I remember just getting in the shower and just wasting water, to be honest. If I lived in California, they'd probably burn me. <laughs> but I was just standing there and I was thinking about, like, what do I want to do? This is a really big decision that can change, like, the course of the next few years. And I started thinking about the smallest thing, my lunch. My lunch was getting stolen from work and school. So I was a frugal, like, college student, and I worked at Walmart Distribution Center as I was in school. So I worked Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I went to school Tuesdays and Thursdays, like the perfect ideal schedule. But uh, I used to bring my lunch at work and it would get stolen or it would get smushed or it would be misplaced Uh. in 20 of the 30 minutes looking for it. So I started thinking about that. Then I thought about school, like how it would be inside of this refrigerator and anybody can gain access to it. And I was like, man, what if I could solve that problem? Like, this is just this conversation I'm having with myself. And um, from there, I hopped out of the shower, threw on a towel, didn't even dry off, ran into my grandfather's room. It's probably like 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, Papa, Papa, I got this idea. So first he's fearful, right? He's he's getting woke up out of the He's like, like, what's going on? And I was like, everything's good. I just got this incredible idea and I need to talk to you now. I can't wait. I can't wait. So surprisingly, he gets up and we have this full-blown conversation about uh, trying to bring this idea at the time it was called Food Garage to life. And long story short, basically said, I don't know what to tell you on how to do it, but see how they got vending machines on campus and try to like go backwards from there. And literally the next day I went to the engineering department. I was like, hey, I got this idea. Could you help me? Could you help me? Just asking for help and being that I'm not an engineer, but I think in some way I am now, but 
Uh, <laughs> I just asked a lot of questions. And fortunately, I met a lot of other creative students that gave me like understanding on like CAD designs, what mechanical engineering really entails. And then from there, I applied to this accelerator and that kind of like started everything. I love the fact that your grandfather didn't throw you out at 2.30 in the morning, which is probably what most um, adults would have done to a child. And and it, ironically, I can somewhat relate to this because being being that sort of creative myself, the amount of times I come to to my office area because I you know work next to my normally who my other co-host Eric's and and I will often come in and go oh I've got this idea and poor Eric sometimes he rolls his eyes and go oh my god what the, the venture are we off to next yeah. um, <laughs> most of the time though he gets pen and paper and starts scribbling because he knows that there's also some gems in there somewhere and right. I think you're right it's letting the mind digest and and absorb the problem and go there'll be a creative solution and I think that's where you know that you're you're obviously the inventor but what I love about what you do more than just being the inventor and a lot of people that are inventors tend to miss this point and it's the hardest part for the for the pure inventor in of this is that you have that ability to communicate and and sell it you Mm. know that that's what got me and again that's your energy and that's what got me when we first started communicating together you know five months ago it was was your ability to stand up and explain your concept and get everybody behind you and I think to me what I see with the with the main with the big successful organizations you know the the, the Amazons Jeff Bezos is another you know those he started with nothing originally right so he he didn't just overnight become this person who he is today, but he had that energy and that passion, and that's what I see in you. Smiling a lot right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you should. And and so explain to us exactly what is Yummy Box. Yeah, so Yummy Box is everything that we want it to be at the moment. We're reimagining order pickup, and we're focusing on three, three things. Simple design, contactless pickup, and our environment. And we put forth a lot of time and energy to make restaurants very consciously our, get our, our first customers. And we want to help them automate the takeout process. So that essentially is being done with the Yummy Box. And the Yummy Box is this locker system that we've designed to help restaurants free themselves from the old model of having to you know, stand behind takeout counters, monitor mobile pickup shelves, which is pretty chaotic. You know, anyone can have yeah. access to your orders and put them in a position where they can really adapt and go towards the on-demand economy. And now, you know, the height of the contactless pickup, I, I call it a movement in a sense towards mm. this greater level of innovation where restaurants can do what they do best, which is create great food and allow one process, which is a very time consuming process to be automated. Yeah. Yeah, the gods are shining on you, Dominic, because seriously, this is your time. Before COVID-19, you might have gone, yeah, no, look, that makes sense. And, and, and yes, there is a need. But now this is an issue going forward, because even though even even six months from now, we might, that might be not such an issue. I do think that the psyche in people, people are going to be more nervous and uh, concerned about, well, you know, 
I mean, even the common flu, why are we getting the common flu? Why does it kill so many people every year? Because of our hygiene and things. And if there's one great thing that's come out of this to me is that people are more considerate, Mm. that they shouldn't be going out if they're sick and that they need to be more hygienic in washing their hands where they're out in, in public. So to me, the yummy box is a long-term solution to what will be a mental change and evolution in people's minds about their safety. So, yeah, right. I love it. Absolutely. And I, I think lately we've seen that behavior. And for just to create a more vivid picture, the yummy box can be closely compared to like an Amazon locker, right? Like even when I'm pitching, I say, you know, the yummy box, think of Amazon locker, but for food. Uh, the biggest differentiator is I've been fortunate to meet the right people at the right time. And when we first started, I remember, I, like I told you, I didn't take the jobs that I told you, uh, like working at the Port of Houston. I literally just put all my time and energy to try to manifest its original vision. And it morphed into what it is now. But I remember I worked at Southwest Airlines and I was making fourteen seventy-five an hour. Yep. And I turned down $70,000 out of college. So I, it, the math, I don't know. I was yeah. not greatly, right? <laughs> but uh, I remember flying. Um, I wanted to work there primarily because they had flight benefits that I could use on my entrepreneurial journey, right? Uh, <laughs> so I knew, like, if I was to get a job, it had to do more than just compensate me, right? It had to do more than just keep the lights on. It had to give me an opportunity to build something of my own. And I think Southwest was the probably the best company I could have worked for. I remember doing a case study with them or on them in business class, but they started like with the napkin and they wanted to only fly to like three different cities. I think it was Dallas. Um, I don't know the other two, but it was Houston was one of them. And I think maybe New Orleans or something like that. But it was just an idea that they had at a bar and they turned it into like one of the most profitable airlines ever. And being in that mm-hmm. spirit, it kind of just kept fueling me, right? It, it was like, I'm working here, but... I'm working for a company that's very entrepreneurial. So while I'm there, I have free flight benefits. And I remember <laughs> at my grandfather's house, I was watching the show, Make Me a Millionaire Inventor. And uh, <laughs> I was like, man, if I can just get on this show or if I could talk to one of their engineers, I probably can find my way with this whole food garage thing. Because at the time, I wasn't really getting a lot of traction. I think I was spending more time understanding business than actually mm-hmm. developing the product. And I think truthfully, I think that's the wrong way to go about it, to be completely honest with you. I think more time should be spent on innovation and solving a problem. And then from there, you you uh, you further develop, you know, your pricing model, your business model, your team. But we were kind of doing it, doing it in the reverse. We wasn't really solving a problem completely. We were, you know, putting together executive summary, business plans, and all of these things are important. I'm not saying that they're not. But I felt like it was slowing me down so, so much because I felt I was tweaking what I thought would become this end product or this end solution. And I didn't really know. So I wanted to get away from that. And I uh, watched this show. I sent this guy an email. Uh, His name is Michael Feinberg, uh, Bluefish Concept. That's the name of his company. I sent him an email and I was like, man, if... I could just meet with him. It'll be a game changer. The next morning I woke up and he said, you know, if you can meet with me for an hour, uh, if you can come out here and meet, I'll meet with you for an hour. So I booked a free flight 
And <laughs> I flew myself, my, my seat investor, Jay, and uh, another lady that was working with me, uh, Shabnam. We all flew out there and he gave me the best advice. Without this advice, I, I can honestly say I wouldn't like even be talking to you. I think I'd be doing something else. He told me, he says, uh, most innovators or most uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, they have this desire to be first. And he says, it's great to be first, but most of the time when you're first, you're taking all of the punches and you're the mm -hmm. one exhausting all of your resources to make this thing that you believe in really, you know, great. And he says, but I, I challenge you to think of it differently. I challenge you to look more at what you're building as like Facebook instead of MySpace, right? MySpace was first, Facebook came second, mm -hmm. and they were more of a um, refined machine than MySpace. And uh, even mm -hmm. a founder of like MySpace, who also created Napster that I talked about, he uh, he gave a lot of advice on you know how Facebook ultimately became. But when he told me this, I got it slightly. And then he said, you know, uh, you you have the right formula, but the wrong ingredients. Anybody can build lockers, but not everybody can build great technology. And he was like, I will build this prototype for you guys. Uh, I think it was like a half a million dollars. It was something absurd. Obviously, I had a poker face because I was learning business, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we have that kind of money. But he was like, yeah, half a million dollars for a prototype. And then once we go into production, it can be millions from there if nothing goes wrong. So I literally left there. Uh, we went to a quick shop and got on a plane and I cried on the way home. And I cried because like I'm three years into this. Nobody mm -hmm. ever in my family has made $70,000 a year or been offered that. And here I am trying this idea. And in my mind at that time, this gentleman just told me, uh, we're going about it the wrong way. And at that time, I didn't know yeah. how to solve it. Like I was trying to build a refrigerator with compartments that could be used for co-working spaces. And nobody was really trying to hear that at the time. And uh, the next day, my seed investor, Jay, called me to a meeting, as investors do. <laughs> and he's like, uh, we got to figure something out. And he was like, uh, small talk at the beginning. He was saying, hey, I went to this restaurant. They have a great app. It works you know, amazingly. And this was like around 2016, I think. And he was like, uh, no, 2017. He was like, it works amazingly. But when I got to the restaurant, I had to stand in line and wait. And he was like, that kind of defeated the purpose of me ordering online. And I was like, hey, you figured it out. We can pivot with this whole locker concept to the restaurant industry. And at the time, we were using this regular blue locker and using insulated bags to kind of re uh, mimic refrigeration for my original concept. And it's crazy yeah. how all of that kind of created the yummy box. It created, it created an understanding that when you're being innovative, sometimes you can solve a huge problem without having all of these other uh, technologies and hardware components. So we just took ordinary lockers, like nothing special about the lockers itself, but we figured that all lockers do the same thing. Our, our lockers do yep. the same exact thing that uh, Amazon lockers do. They control access and they keep things organized. So why do we need mechanical engineers to build it, electrical engineers to build it, all this sophisticated wiring when all we need to do is make sure we can solve those two things. So we took basic lockers and built, like the guy said, not everybody can build great technology. We built a very robust technology and our systems are incredible. It's the only system at the moment that basically allows you to communicate with it. It sends you a text, your order's ready, Miss Judy, and then you can reply like OMW 
and that alerts the restaurant, but also gives you a verification code. It's, it's incredible to see from like an idea in the shower morphing to something like this. And that's actually the key to good innovation is that, that not getting stuck and hung up on your original concept. I've, you know, I've seen that and, and been involved in those sorts of things myself where you, you can get almost a bit fixated by where you thought it was going. And the, the, the issue was really interesting that you talked about, you know, you came about it because you wanted your dream to come alive but then you found the need and it's only when you find the need that you can really develop an innovation well because you know the definition of innovation of course is that it's actually an idea that works and makes money so (laughs) you know it's not innovation if if it's just in your you know four walls and and it's just an idea that's an idea Uh, lots of us can come up with ideas in the shower or over the over after a few drinks or whatever, but it takes what you've got, the energy, the commitment, and I love the fact that you even took a job at Southwest just to get knowing full well that you'd need to get transportation. I just love that, you know. Yeah, it was like I have a I have still to this day I have a lot of friends that are older than me and all of them graduated like a year, year and a half before me in the same degree, right? And they yep. they made the money, they still make a lot of money, but they were telling me they were like, you know, Dom, I really don't have any free time. Like, I make all of this money. I have an Audi. I have a nice apartment. But they don't have any free time. And I was like, oh, that's not good. I won't be able to, like, do anything that I want to do creatively. So I was like, nah, I can't do that. Well well done, Dominique. So obviously you've now got some restaurants using using Yummy Box. And yes. where, where do you see the future? What, what what What's your dream for this but going further? Uh. I believe you have to always start small in order to become big. Uh, I think one of the companies that I, I like a lot is uh, this delivery company called Favor. It's probably not the most well-known throughout the world, uh, but they came up with you know a delivery platform that moves goods from grocery stores, from restaurants, wherever it needs to be to the end customer. And the CEO, I, I find him very fascinating for the mere fact that he quickly realized that, you know, in California, it's it's go, 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 build as fast as you can. We'll figure out how to make money later. And I always thought it was crazy, but uh, I, I was like, okay, maybe if it's accepted, then maybe I'm not calculating things the right way. But after reading like one of his articles, I realized that he sees it the same way. You start small, you get really, really good at that. And if you can make, the, you know, your immediate customer base happy, uh, scaling is just ultimately copy and paste right on a larger scale uh so Mm. that's what we're really focusing on now i think uh i can foresee the company becoming bigger obviously everyone feels that way but i think one of the reasons why it will happen for us is my understanding that nothing is permanent nothing that we do has to be done one way um continuing like you know changing the idea i think the yummy box probably now has a piece of at least 100 people in it in some capacity whether it's tweak this add this complete strangers. I don't even know. I probably owe them monies too. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so what I, I can foresee the restaurant space changing drastically. I was reading an article, it's called 10 days that changed the restaurant industry. And it kind of shows like how fast one industry could potentially collapse. And it's very disheartening. And, but I personally, from in, in being in Houston, I've seen a lot of restaurants adapt really, really fast to this new environment. 
And I, yeah. it's kind of a, just a testament to human nature, right? We'll do anything to survive, period. And I think the restaurants kicked into that gear of what new technology do we need? How do we get it right away? How do we change the landscape uh, that potentially could be leading us to doom? But not, not a lot of them don't want to go that way, obviously. So they're looking at ways to not only just, you know, survive, but thrive. And I think takeout is going to be one of the most important elements for restaurants. Delivery is important, but I, I can I can see delivery fading out through third party just because of the fees associated with it. Yeah. And I think if restaurants, we kind of talk about this internally all the time, if restaurants figure out a way to build their own, um, you know, transportation system, if you will, or logistics system to get their goods to their mm. customers, they'll be able to keep, you know, a greater percentage of the income. And what we're doing with the takeout component is we charge a flat fee per transaction and $100 a month. Obviously, $100 may change depending on the, uh, the economy or whatnot, but sure. it's cool to see that we're positioning restaurants in a way where they can keep majority of the, the, the money that they've worked really hard to get. And because overheads are, are huge in a restaurant business, so that the margins are, are minimal, and and that's one of the challenges I know. For I mean, restaurants around the world are, are probably the hardest, one of the hardest hits, along with tourism. Now there will be lots of budding entrepreneurs, no doubt, listening, or or those who have got a bit of an idea and really not sure. Have you got advice on things that you would do now? I, I say the same thing all the time. Uh, don't take your ideas for granted. Uh, I think. That's something that, when I think about it, I think of it's, I don't know how many people, maybe 8 billion people on the planet. And for whatever reason, I had this idea in the shower, not saying I was the only one thinking this way, but I, I don't take ideas for granted. And I think it's due in large part to seeing, you know, my former stepdad have an idea since 1997. And then he finally presents it to me in 2014. And him and I do a little bit of business together, but it, it it saddens me, especially at that moment, to know like you've had something for that many years and didn't try it. And it also scares me to know that if you don't try, like you really, honestly, in my opinion, you don't have nothing to lose and don't take your ideas for granted. Like we all do. And I think it was silly of me to even try this journey to begin with because I didn't have all the resources, didn't have all of the pieces, but Somehow, some way, I just kept an open mind to maybe one day it'll get better. And I'm not saying I had all great days. I've had some really tough days. Uh, yesterday mm-hmm. was a tough day for me to be truthful with you because uh, you start getting to a point where you're getting growth and it's overwhelming. And <laughs> and I'm learning that business is, is it's not about just you know automating processes for customers. Internally, you have to automate as many systems as you can or you won't be able to accommodate you know the, the growth that you desire. So exactly. I have good people around me that can help me and show me. And we've been able to solve that problem within like 48 hours. But uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing I would say to anyone. Don't take your ideas for granted because it may not seem pretty. It may not be, you know, the most defined or have the greatest market potential initially. But if you take that journey, you never know who you may meet that will give you suggestions and uh, on how to tweak something to make it what the market needs. Yeah, well said. Thank you. I I have no doubt that you've inspired. You've actually inspired me today. I love. Um, I love again. <laughs> oh, that's the energy again, isn't it? It's just, it's it's just talking to somebody that that's. Uh, you know, when you work in, and a lot of us 
as entrepreneurs or you know small business people and and those with ideas where our brains just explode with all sorts of stuff who don't have a grandfather that's prepared to wake up at 2 30 in the morning um you know it's it can be quite isolating and uh that's where i just love this platform because i get to talk to some amazing people and and you're included in that so thank you you so much for your time today it's just awesome we're going to put a link to yummy box of course in the show notes for people and is there a website that some you know people want to reach out to you and talk to you about what you're doing and you never know where it might go yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, the best way to find us is clev.tech, C-L-E-V, period, T-E-C-H. And that pretty much outlines everything that we're doing, has our journey, but more, more so than anything, has the value that we intend to bring to restaurants, co-working spaces, and beyond. And, and people can contact you through that? Yeah. Through that also, site. LinkedIn. LinkedIn would probably be probably one of the best. Okay. That's how you and I Okay. <laughs> it is. It is absolutely. So, look, I'll I'll add your LinkedIn profile to the show notes as well for people. Wow. And it's been an amazing conversation, and thank you so much for like keeping our connection, uh, you know, very strong. And thank you so much for the time. And salute to you and your team. Thank you so much, Dominique.